Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. We are quickly approaching like less than 10 episodes away from episode number 500. I've been doing this show now for five years and I've learned something and that is success leaves clues. So if you want to learn more, if you want to achieve more, one of the smartest things you can do is get around people who are doing really good things, who are being successful, and they can't help it. They have to give you an idea, a nugget, a piece of information, and that's what we're hoping to do today. We've got a really nice interview set up uh, and with somebody who I think is pretty cool. But first, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So human behavior, that's a complicated thing, especially when it comes to working and living together. And understanding why and how people behave in certain ways when they're in groups, that is what my friends, Dr. Josh Packard and Megan Bissell, it's what they do for a living. And their podcast, The Bias Disruption, it's the sponsor of today's episode. And what they do on that podcast is they answer questions like, what is your ideal team size? How do companies cultivate culture? And where does innovation even come from? If you've ever wondered how to make changes, and I mean changes that last, you've got to check out what they're doing on the Bias Disruption Podcast. Megan and Josh use social science, real world experience, and humor to share really useful insights, and they play some nerdy games. So check out the Bias Disruption. So speaking of today's pod, speaking of podcast, today's podcast, I have Kevin Eikenberry. And Kevin is a guy who is an expert on potential. And if you listen to this show, you know that's something I've become obsessed with. I've become obsessed with the whole idea of how do we get across the gap that exists from potential to performance. And that's one of the things I want to talk to Kevin about today. He's a really cool guy. He's an entrepreneur. He's a consultant. He's a speaker. He is an author. He is he has either written, co-written, or contributed to over 20 books. The guy is prolific. And he's going to give us some clues about success before we're done today. So, Kevin, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, thanks. And congratulations on almost 500 episodes. You're way ahead of me. Uh, you've been doing yours longer than, than, than we've been doing in the Remarkable Leadership Podcast. I mean, congratulations. And, and the only thing is, like, why, wasn't I, why didn't I get to be number 500? That's the only question. Oh, I should have saved you for number 500. Actually, I haven't even decided what I'm going to do. Well, you I, can do something special for 500, man. You know, I'm sort of torn. I think, you know, oh, my God, I have to get, like, Michael Dell on the show or something like that. And then there's the part of me that goes, oh, just welcome to episode 500. Hey, what are we doing today? And just, like, blow past it like it was no big deal. I don't, I don't know. I'm sort uh, of I'll be honest. Torn. It's probably a big, I mean, it, it is a big deal for, to anyone that, 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 you know, you want you want a success clue, everybody. <laughs> One is make a decision to do something and then stay with it. And so 500 episodes says a lot about that. But I, I, I will say uh, with, with, uh, with all grace and kindness that it probably does mean more to you than it does to somebody else. Right. So I think either, however you go about it, I think it's perfectly fine. But here's the thing. If you're listening to your first one, uh, today. I'm glad that it's me. But the point is that if you're listening to the first one, you're not going to, you, people may not go back to 500, but it certainly is, is, is a tremendous testament to you 
and to the fact that the idea of what you tried to put together is working, that you'd stayed with it this long. So one of my friends, Scott Carson, who hosts the podcast, Scott is like really super involved in the whole podcasting world and all that. And he's about to hit number 500. And I think we calculated it's going to happen within days of each other. And uh, so we're, we're trying to figure out what can we do to help each other celebrate that. And he says, and, and I don't know where he gets this number, but less than 1% of the 700,000 podcasts that are out there, I've crossed the 500% mark. So I'm trying to see a 500 oh. episode mark. So I, I wouldn't, uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I wouldn't be surprised if it's less than that. Because, so, you know, some people, that, uh, again, back to, to my earlier point, most people don't stay with something that long. You know, when we decided to start a, a three plus years ago, as, as at the time of you and I having this conversation, uh, I made... I thought about it a long time because I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to stay with it. Now I've been doing it for three years. If we decided to stop, I mean, it's not like I feel compelled to continue necessarily, but right. the reality is that I think that there's a lot to be said for being intentional and then staying with it. I, I've been doing a newsletter every single Monday since 2004. Wow. And um, so it's the, the idea of consistent effort in the direction of your goals is a huge, is a huge, huge clue. Well, and it, it's fascinating because they say it's called pod fade. The average podcast fades out somewhere between seven and 12 episodes because people get into it and seven episodes in, it's either hard or they get busy or they think, what, I'm not a millionaire. I've done seven episodes of this show. My phone's not ringing. Uh, and what's weird is, is it was somewhere around episode 400 that I really started to seeing, see those ancillary benefits uh, of my show you know, it was after I was well-established, people started paying more attention to me, referring me more business. So it took four years to get to like stage one. So we'll see where it goes. Yep. No, I think it's great. And you know, here's another thing, everybody, people always want to, we, everyone wants to compare up, right? Wherever, you know, if you, you know, if, if you had one New York Times bestseller, then man, I man, look at, look at that person. They've got five, right? Like <laughs> we, we need to set the, we need to set, set some, some standards for where we want to get and not worry about, everybody else because, and we got to be true to what we're trying to accomplish. And that's what clearly what you're, what you're doing. And that's why you had the longevity with it. So Kevin, tell us a little bit about your business. Who, who is Kevin Eikenberry and why are you so awesome? Well, okay. Those are two very different questions, Tom. Uh, so a little bit, uh, we started, I started the business that, that we now call the Kevin Eikenberry group about almost 26 years ago. And um, I worked in corporate were, America. Were you 12? No. Can you see this gray hair? Hello, man. Oh, I, um, thought, I thought it was just surfer platinum blonde. I didn't know you were no, gray. No, 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 no. Uh, but, but no, I, um, I, I worked for Chevron in corporate America. I had a great, great job. Uh, I think a bright future there by all accounts and had done very, done very well and liked it. But I knew that really wasn't really where I wanted to be. So about 26 years ago, I left and started what is now the Kevin Eikenberry group. And for a number of years, I was that, that kind of consultant people would think of whether well, one guy right? People used to say, oh, you're a consultant. You go to, you'd go to a, a dinner party or something. Say, oh, you're a consultant. And they say, oh, how long have you been out of work? Right? <laughs> um, but, but I would say, hey, you're not a consultant unless you have a client. And uh, so we were fortunate to have clients and to keep clients. And, and, and really, and I know that we're going to get at this talking about entrepreneurship, is that I, I'd never really thought of this as being a consultant, but that I was creating something beyond just Kevin. And so we are in the business of helping leaders uh, get better, helping organizations help their leaders get better because the big lever for organizational improvement is the is the skill of their leaders. Mm -hmm. And so we're we're in the business of helping leaders make a bigger difference for themselves, for their teams, and for the world. 
So 26 years of, of working for yourself after leaving corporate America. So what do you love about this life of entrepreneurship? Um, pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I, many of our clients are the people that I used to be, or, you know, people who are in corporate America, been in corporate America a long time. And so I'm still very connected to and in tune with what that looks like and what that means. But the longer I go, the less I can see me being there. Right. So I, I can understand uh, that, that lifestyle and the four weeks of vacation or whatever. Um, but I just love pretty much everything about the work that I do. I feel blessed, Tom, that, I, that I'm, I'm doing the work I was put on earth to do. Awesome. Is there any days where you think, I could have stayed at Chevron and been like a senior vice president now? Are there ever days where you bang your head against the wall? You know, it crosses, I mean, every, I mean, every once in a while it crosses my mind or my wife and I'll be having a conversation. Uh, but here's the thing. The, then I will end up being in a city where I might have been living and I'm saying I, that, you know, and I would have probably had to have lived in five or six more places than I've lived. And that's not necessarily uh, what I think I or my family would have wanted. Um, so we moved from the West Coast to the Midwest. My wife is from Southern Indiana. I'm from Michigan. We picked Indianapolis because I needed an airport and we wanted to be driving distance to both of our, both of our families. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, that, so the, the choice to work for myself, at least at the starting point, um, you know, affords you the chance to live where you want to live. And of course that's becoming more true for everyone, but still if you're going to work in major corporate America. You're going to, you're going to go where they want you to be. Sure. And, and 20 years ago, it was harder to have that location freedom. If you had a job, you were tied to what they, what they said for Very sure. So, true. so totally off lines of this. So in Indianapolis, uh, kind of near the zoo, um, there is a place called the Harding Street Apartments and the Louder Lofts. It's an old 1800s factory that has been converted into to high-end uh, condos and then like huh? uh, apartments for millennials mainly, like, you know, really cool thing. I don't know if you're familiar with that redevelopment there uh, on Harding Street, but that building was actually my great-grandfather's factory. He built it in 1886. And so entrepreneurship is in your blood. Yeah, I, th I think it skips every few generations. But uh, my, both my my grandparents on both sides had sort of an entrepreneurial bent. My parents didn't. But uh, my great grandfather, so skip back, you know, uh, three generations, I guess, uh, owned a furniture factory in Indianapolis. And there's actually uh, some U.S. patents that he had. He designed business furniture. And, you know, cool. I mean, he was dead long before I was born. But uh, but it is it, it is interesting because when I was out there, we heard about the redevelopment and the apartments were just being leased. So we called up, I had my daughter with me and I said, I have the great granddaughter of H. Louder. She'd like to come tour the building. And they were like, ah, and they took pictures, put it all over the Facebook page and stuff like oh, that. Sure. It, was, Absolutely. it had been a furniture factory and then it was a smelting plant after the depression, after our family lost it. And then mm -hmm. it was like a crack house for 20 years and just like abandoned and, and stuff. And then they, they rezoned it and returned it into these super nice apartments. That's cool. So, you know, there's a point there. Uh, you talk about, you, do, you talk about, you know, in our blood kind of thing. And, and, and people often say, well, so why did you leave corporate America, Kevin? Why did you do this? Well, there was a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons was I grew up uh, in a family business. I grew up a, on a family farm and we had a related ag business for a long time. I thought that that's what I would go back and do. And, and circumstances didn't lead to that happening, which is fine. But I definitely grew up with uh, parents just 20 years older than me, really grew up with them and grew up uh, in, a, in a household where we talked about business, we thought about business. And I, you know, I was with my dad all of the time, uh, got really comfortable working with and being around folks older than me by a lot, which served me very well throughout my career. 
Um, so there, there's a lot in my background that sort of points to what I do, even though the work itself isn't necessarily all that connected. Sure. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, my God, I, I want to do what Kevin did or what Tom did. I want to leave corporate America and do my own thing. What advice would you have for him? Well, don't do it the way I did it, uh, <laughs> because here's how I did it. Uh, I decided that's what I want to do. My wife and I were on vacation in Hawaii. I wrote up this stuff. This is what I think I want to do. Uh, and I said to her, what do you think? And she says, well, you know, I've, I've got a job. We've got insurance. Our one-year-old won't starve. Um, do you want to do it? Go for it. So we did. So when I left, I had no business. I had no clients. I didn't have much of a plan, really. Um, now, without going into all the details, by the time, between the time that I said I was going to leave and when I actually left, mm -hmm. I did have some clients. But I would not do it the way I did it. I had done a lot of the work to understand what I thought I wanted to, to do. And I understood business and at least a little bit about marketing. That's all important. Um, but probably a little better plan would have probably served me better than where I started. <laughs> so Kevin, one of the things I do as a speaker, and I, and I don't do the, the, the consulting coaching side of stuff you do, but one of the things I do as a speaker is I do these programs for companies where I talk about the gap that exists between potential and performance. And it's a very real gap, but people are held back for any countless different reasons. So I'd love to ask you, because you're an expert on this potential stuff, why do you think some people who have a lot of potential and, and we get excited about potential, we think, oh my gosh, this is so great. But for some people, their potential doesn't go anywhere and other people sail across that gap and achieve so much. What do you think the delta is between when two people who have similar backgrounds, similar education, similar hopes and dreams, some people are able to get farther towards their potential and others just get lost in the abyss. Why is that? Well, uh, let's talk, let's take about, take two shots at this. One is, the person themselves, right? So what is their, what is their mindset? And, and sort of seriously, what's their belief about themselves, right? The Galatea effect says that what, the, what I believe about myself says a lot about where I'll, where I'll end up. And so there's, there's a self-confidence and a self-awareness component to this um, without question, right? So I, I think you and I come from the same place that, you know, human beings of sound mind and body have tremendous untapped potential, all of us, not just the ones that some people have picked out. And yet the people that move through that chasm, make that jump, make that leap, whatever, are folks that part of that is what's inside themselves about their self-belief, self-awareness, self-confidence, all of those things. The other side, though, as we think about this from a business perspective is what is the belief of the, those folks that they work for? or in, this, in the, the, the orbit that they're in. In other words, uh, it's one thing to say, well, I, you know, people are our number one asset. It's another thing to really be uh, believing that these folks can be successful. And so I always say that if you don't really believe someone can be successful in the job that they're in and in the job that would be next, you should not be coaching them because <laughs> there's no way that you will give them the support, the encouragement, the opportunities, the the chance to fail, the safety net that they need in order to to make that to make that leap. So it's a huge piece of what's what's the belief of the person, and what's the belief of those that are coaching them, encouraging them in their orbit. Both of those things are huge components of this. Yeah, no, I I, I fully agree. In fact, one of the last things that I end with is the first point of that is you got to believe in yourself because. You know, no one's going to do it for you. And I always quote the famous kind of Henry Ford quote, which is whether you think you can. 
Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. We are quickly approaching like less than 10 episodes away from episode number 500. I've been doing this show now for five years and I've learned something and that is success leaves clues. So if you want to learn more, if you want to achieve more, one of the smartest things you can do is get around people who are doing really good things, who are being successful, and they can't help it. They have to give you an idea, a nugget, a piece of information, and that's what we're hoping to do today. We've got a really nice interview set up uh, and with somebody who I think is pretty cool. But first, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So human behavior, that's a complicated thing, especially when it comes to working and living together. And understanding why and how people behave in certain ways when they're in groups, that is what my friends, Dr. Josh Packard and Megan Bissell, it's what they do for a living. And their podcast, The Bias Disruption, it's the sponsor of today's episode. And what they do on that podcast is they answer questions like, what is your ideal team size? How do companies cultivate culture? And where does innovation even come from? If you've ever wondered how to make changes, and I mean changes that last, you've got to check out what they're doing on the Bias Disruption Podcast. Megan and Josh use social science, real world inter- uh, experience, and humor to share really useful insights, and they play some nerdy games. So check out the Bias Disruption. So speaking of today's pod, speaking of podcast, today's podcast, I have Kevin Eikenberry. And Kevin is a guy who is an expert on potential. And if you listen to this show, you know that's something I've become obsessed with. I've become obsessed with the whole idea of how do we get across the gap that exists from potential to performance. And that's one of the things I want to talk to Kevin about today. He's a really cool guy. He's an entrepreneur. He's a consultant. He's a speaker. He is an author. He is he has either written, co-written, or contributed to over 20 books. The guy is prolific. And he's going to give us some clues about success before we're done today. So, Kevin, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, thanks, and congratulations on almost 500 episodes. You're way ahead of me. Uh, you've been doing yours longer than, than, than we've been doing in the Remarkable Leadership Podcast. I mean, congratulations. And, and the only thing is, like, why, wasn't I, why didn't I get to be number 500? That's the only thing. Oh, I should have saved you for number 500. Actually, I haven't even decided what I'm going to do. Well, you I, do something special for 500, man. You know, I'm sort of torn. I think, you know, oh, my God, I have to get, like, Michael Dell on the show or something like that. And then there's the part of me that goes, oh, just welcome to episode 500. Hey, what are we doing today? And just, like, blow past it like it was no big deal. I don't, I don't know. I'm sort well, of I'll be honest. Torn. It's probably a big, I mean, it is a big deal for, to anyone that, 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 you know, you want you want a success clue, everybody. <laughs> One is make a decision to do something and then stay with it. And so 500 episodes says a lot about that. But I, I, I will say uh, with, with, uh, with all grace and kindness that it probably does mean more to you than it does to somebody else. Right. So I think either, however you go about it, I think it's perfectly fine. But here's the thing. If you're listening to your first one, uh, today, I'm glad that it's me. But the point is that if you're listening to the first one, you're not going to, you, people may not go back to 500, but it certainly is, is, is a tremendous testament to you. 
and to the fact that the idea of what you tried to put together is working, that you'd stayed with it this long. So one of my friends, Scott Carson, who hosts the podcast, Scott is like really super involved in the whole podcasting world and all that. And he's about to hit number 500. And I think we calculated it's going to happen within days of each other. And uh, so we're, we're trying to figure out what can we do to help each other celebrate that. And he says, and, and I don't know where he gets this number, but less than 1% of the 700,000 podcasts that are out there have crossed the 500% mark. So I'm trying to see a 500 oh. episode mark. So I, I wouldn't, uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I wouldn't be surprised if it's less than that because so, you know, some people that, uh, again, back to, to my earlier point, most people don't stay with something that long. You know, when we decided to start a, a three plus years ago, as, as at the time of you and I having this conversation, uh, I made, I thought about it a long time because I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to stay with it. Now I've been doing it for three years. If we decided to stop, I mean, it's not like I feel compelled to continue necessarily, but the reality is that I think that there's a lot to be said for being intentional and then staying with it. I've been doing a newsletter every single Monday since 2004. Wow. And um, so it's the, the idea of consistent effort in the direction of your goals is a huge is a huge huge clue. Well, and it, it's fascinating because they say it's called pod fade. The average podcast fades out somewhere between seven and twelve episodes because people get into it, and seven episodes in, it's either hard or they get busy or they think, "What? I'm not a millionaire." I've done seven episodes of this show. My phone's not ringing. Uh, and what's weird is, is it was somewhere around episode 400 that I really started to seeing see those ancillary benefits uh, of my show. You know, it was after I was well-established. People started paying more attention to me, referring me more business. So it took four years to get to like stage one. So we'll see where it goes. Yep. No, I think it's great. And, you know, here's another thing, everybody. People always want to, We everyone wants to compare up. Right. Wherever, you know, if you, you know, if, if you had one New York Times bestseller, then man, I man, look at, look at that person. They've got five, right? Like <laughs> we, we need to set the, we need to set, set some, some standards for where we want to get and not worry about everybody else because, and we got to be true to what we're trying to accomplish. And that's what clearly what you're, what you're doing. And that's why you had the longevity with it. So Kevin, tell us a little bit about your business. Who, who is Kevin Eikenberry and why are you so awesome? Well, okay. Those are two very different questions, Tom. Uh, so a little bit, uh, we started, I started the business that, that we now call the Kevin Eikenberry Group about almost 26 years ago. And um, I worked in corporate America. Were you 12? No. Uh, can you see this gray hair? Hello, man. <laughs> oh, I, um, thought, I thought it was just surfer platinum blonde. I didn't know you were no, gray. No, 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 no. Uh, but, but no, I, um, I, I worked for Chevron in corporate America. I had a great, great job. Uh, I think a bright future there by all accounts and had done very, done very well and liked it. But I knew that really wasn't really where I wanted to be. So about 26 years ago, I left and started what is now the Kevin Eikenberry Group. And for a number of years, I was that, that kind of consultant people would think of, whether well, one guy right? People used to say, oh, you're a consultant. You go to, you'd go to a, a dinner party or something. Say, oh, you're a consultant. And they say, oh, how long have you been out of work? Right? <laughs> um, but, but I would say, hey, you're not a consultant unless you have a client. And uh, so we were fortunate to have clients and to keep clients. And, and, and really, and I know that we're going to get at this talking about entrepreneurship, is that I, I'd never really thought of this as being a consultant, but that I was creating something beyond just Kevin. And so we are in the business of helping leaders uh, get better, helping organizations help their leaders get better because the big lever for organizational improvement is the is the skill of their leaders. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're in the business of helping leaders make a bigger difference for themselves, for their teams, and for the world. 
So 26 years of, of working for yourself after leaving corporate America. So what do you love about this life of entrepreneurship? Um, pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I, many of our clients are the people that I used to be, or, you know, people who are in corporate America, been in corporate America a long time. And so I'm still very connected to and in tune with what that looks like and what that means. But the longer I go, the less I can see me being there. Right. So I, I can understand, uh, that, that lifestyle and the four weeks of vacation or whatever. Um, but, I just love pretty much everything about the work that I do. I feel blessed, Tom, that I that I'm I'm doing the work I was put on earth to do. Awesome. Is there any days where you think I could have stayed at Chevron and been like a senior vice president? Now, are there ever days where you bang your head against the wall? You know, it crosses. I mean, every, I mean, every once in a while, it crosses my mind, or my wife and I'll be having a conversation. Uh, but here's the thing: the, then I will end up being in a city where I might have been living, and I'm saying I, that you know, and I would have probably had to have lived in five or six more places than I've lived. And that's not necessarily uh, what I think I or my family would have wanted. Um, so we moved from the West Coast to the Midwest. My wife is from Southern Indiana. I'm from Michigan. We picked Indianapolis because I needed an airport and we wanted to be driving distance to both of our, <laughs> both of our families. And uh, so, you know, that, so the, the choice to work for myself, at least at the starting point, um, you know, affords you the chance to live where you want to live. And of course, that's becoming more true for everyone. But still, if you're going to work in major corporate America. You're going to you're going to go where they want you to be. Sure. And, and 20 years ago, it was harder to have that location freedom. If you had a job, you were tied to what they what they said. For Very sure. True. Very so true. so totally off lines of this. So in Indianapolis, uh, kind of near the zoo. Um, there is a place called the Harding Street Apartments and the Louder Lofts. It's an old 1800s factory that has been converted into to high-end uh, condos and then like huh? uh, apartments for millennials mainly, like, you know, really cool thing. I don't know if you're familiar with that redevelopment there uh, on Harding Street, but that building was actually my great-grandfather's factory. He built it in 1886. And so entrepreneurship is in your blood. Yeah, I, th I think it skips every few generations. But uh, my, both my my grandparents on both sides had sort of an entrepreneurial bent. My parents didn't. But uh, my great grandfather, so skip back, you know, uh, three generations, I guess, uh, owned a furniture factory in Indianapolis. And there's actually uh, some U.S. patents that he had. He designed business furniture. And, you know, cool. I mean, he was dead long before I was born. But uh, but it is it, it is interesting because when I was out there, uh, we heard about the redevelopment and the apartments were just being leased. So we called up. I had my daughter with me and I said, I have the great granddaughter of H. Louder. She'd like to come tour the building. And they were like, ah, and they took pictures, put it all over the Facebook page and stuff like oh, that. Sure. It, was, Absolutely. it had been a furniture factory and then it was a smelting plant after the depression, after our family lost it. And then mm -hmm. it was like a crack house for 20 years and just like abandoned and, and stuff. And then they, they rezoned it and returned it into these super nice apartments. That's cool. So, you know, there's a point there uh, you talk about, you, you talk about, you know, in our blood kind of thing. And, and, and people often say, well, so why did you leave corporate America, Kevin? Why did you do this? Well, there was a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons was I grew up uh, in a family business. I grew up in a, on a family farm and we had a related ag business for a long time. I thought that that's what I would go back and do. And, and circumstances didn't lead to that happening, which is fine. But I definitely grew up with uh, parents just 20 years older than me, really grew up with them and grew up uh, in, a, in a household where we talked about business, we thought about business. And I, you know, I was with my dad all of the time, uh, got really comfortable working with and being around folks older than me by a lot, which served me very well throughout my career. 
Um, so there, there's a lot in my background that sort of points to what I do, even though the work itself isn't necessarily all that connected. Sure. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh my God, I, I want to do what Kevin did or what Tom did. I want to leave corporate America and do my own thing. What advice would you have for them? Well, don't do it the way I did it uh, <laughs> because here's how I did it. Uh, I decided that's what I wanted to do. My wife and I were on vacation in Hawaii. I wrote up this stuff. This is what I think I want to do. Uh, and I said to her, what do you think? And she says, well, you know, I've, I've got a job. We've got insurance. Our one-year-old won't starve. Um, do you want to do it? Go for it. So we did. So when I left, I had no business. I had no clients. I didn't have much of a plan really. Um, now, without going into all the details, by the time, between the time that I said I was going to leave and when I actually left, mm -hmm. I did have some clients. But I would not do it the way I did it. I had done a lot of the work to understand what I thought I wanted to, to do. And I understood business and at least a little bit about marketing. That's all important. Um, but probably a little better plan would have probably served me better than where I started. <laughs> so, Kevin, one of the things I do as a speaker, and I, and I don't do the, the, the consulting coaching side of stuff you do, but one of the things I do as a speaker is I do these programs for companies where I talk about the gap that exists between potential and performance. And it's a very real gap, but people are held back for any countless different reasons. So I'd love to ask you, because you're an expert on this potential stuff, why do you think some people who have a lot of potential and, and we get excited about potential, we think, oh, my gosh, this is so great. But for some people, their potential doesn't go anywhere. And other people sail across that gap and achieve so much. What do you think the delta is between when two people who have similar backgrounds, similar education, similar hopes and dreams, some people are able to get farther towards their potential and others just get lost in the abyss? Why is that? Well, uh, let's talk. Let's take about take two shots at this. One is the person themselves, right? So what is their, what is their mindset? And, and seriously, what's their belief about themselves, right? The Galatea effect says that what, the, what I believe about myself says a lot about where I'll, where I'll end up. And so there's, there's a self-confidence and a self-awareness component to this um, without question, right? So I, I think you and I come from the same place that, you know, human beings of sound mind and body have tremendous untapped potential, all of us, not just the ones that some people have picked out. And yet the people that move through that chasm, make that jump, make that leap, whatever, are folks that at part of that is what's inside themselves about their self-belief, self-awareness, self-confidence, all of those things. The other side though, as we think about this from a business perspective is what is the belief of the, those folks that they work for? or in, this, in the, the, the orbit that they're in. In other words, uh, it's one thing to say, well, I, you know, people are our number one asset. It's another thing to really be uh, believing that these folks can be successful. And so I always say that if you don't really believe someone can be successful in the job that they're in and in the job that would be next, you should not be coaching them because <laughs> there's no way that you will give them the support, the encouragement, the opportunities, the, the chance to fail, the safety net that they need in order to, to, make, that, to make that leap. So it's a huge piece of what's, what's the belief of the person and what's the belief of those that are coaching them, encouraging them in their orbit. Both of those things are huge components of this. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully agree. In fact, one of the last things that I end with is the first point of that is you got to believe in yourself because, you know, no one's going to do it for you. And I always quote the famous kind of Henry Ford quote, which is whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You know, and I think that there is a lot of self-fulfilling prophecy to people who just believe. So what? I can figure it out. 
And if, so let's just take that very simply. Like if I believe I can figure it out, I will stick with it longer. Right. So those people that seven episodes of their podcast, they're like, Oh, I just don't know. I don't think I can do this. This is harder than I thought. You know, that's kind of what I expected. I knew this was going to be hard. That's different than someone who says, you know, I'm going to figure this out. It's not going to be perfect. I'm going to keep working at it. Right. Good is good enough for now. This level of good isn't good enough later, but it's good enough for now. I got to keep going. I got to get started. I'll figure it out as I go. I'll meet the right people. I'll ask the right questions. I'll learn the right stuff. I'll keep getting better. It all starts there. And some people take sort of an initial failure or a kick in the teeth as sort of the end. And uh, I, I always talk that like, so my, my oldest daughter, her secret weapon is her work ethic. And several times in her young life, she tried out for things or went for things and didn't get them and was devastated like a teenage girl would be. And then went back and did it again and actually got what she wanted. And I, I told her that one time in college, I said, I hope that you realize what happens is, is that, you know, if, if someone says no to you, you just start thinking, all right, well, that path is closed, but what about this path? And she figures out another way. And, uh, you know, so I always tell her that, you know, whenever she gets discouraged about something, I go, remember your secret weapon is your work ethic and finding a workaround. That's awesome. So that's, that's awesome. So, and so having someone in your life, that's telling you that that's, that's helping you claim that and understand it and seeing it because as humans, we are not very self-aware. We're just not, we think we are, but we're really not. All the research says we've got blind spots everywhere and all that sort of stuff. So having a parent in this case that, that, that states that truth and helps you helped her see it, right? She may not have really seen it. If someone doesn't in, intersperse, intervene and, and engage with that idea. She may go through her whole life and never really figure it out. It's possible she keeps doing it without ever really recognizing it. But it's also possible that at some point that 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 approach dies because she hasn't really understood that it's a strategy mm-hmm. as opposed to just something she did. Well, and then my younger daughter, she she approaches life very differently, but but she's very much a trier of new things, right? She's willing to throw herself into situations uh, where others might not go. And uh, like one of the things like she my when she was 15, she's 17 now, she did a TEDx talk. And people are like, who does a TEDx talk at 15? Well, her older sister had been on a TEDx planning committee for her college and through one of her speakers, that speaker's son was putting on a TEDx youth and needed teenagers. And so I was kind of putting out the word to people. If you knew a teenager and my 15 year old's like, I'll do it. And I'm like, really, what will you talk about? And she goes, you know how I just sort of do my own things and I don't listen to my friends or my teachers or my parents. And I was like, yes, I'm actually very aware of that. (laughs) She goes, I actually think it's a good lesson that in order to find yourself, you just have to sort of go your own way and figure it out. And I'm like, Okay, so she applied and then, you know, through the connection, she got selected. And so when she was 15, she she did a TEDx talk. And, you know, that's kind of her thing is she always remembers, well, I, I, I applied and got it. So why not apply? You know, so she keeps going for things that's like, you know, if they say no, so what? But if you don't put your name in the hat, you're not going to get it. So. So I brag, but I, I digress and I brag on both my children. So, Hey, and you've now succeeded doing that. Yeah, no, I have. And uh, if yeah, I had, more, if I had more children, I would brag about them too, but. That'd be more fodder for more episodes. (laughs) All right. Well, I've got more questions for you, Kevin. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So today's show, as all of them from almost the beginning, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. 
Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Kevin Eikenberry. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Kevin, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? The coolest thing that we're doing in our business right now is we're re, uh, redefining what it looks like to do leadership development. So as a leader, um, most people think about leadership development. I'm going to read some stuff. I'm going to listen to some podcasts. I'm going to go to some workshops. But we've created what we call the remarkable way, which is a way for leaders to build their leadership skills intentionally, one skill at a time, one month at a time. And we focus not just on skills, but on the mindset, the skill set, and the habit set that it takes to do it. And so it's blended learning. It's ongoing. It gives people the chance to absolutely apply what they're learning every single day. Cause at the end of the day, if we don't apply it, it doesn't really matter. So that is, and so not only are we doing that with leaders and as an entrepreneur, it's always exciting when you make a big sale, sale of that, which I did this week. Uh, but not only, not only are we using that in that set, setup, but we're, we're creating the, the model for that, that we can plug other content in with clients as well. Oh, Pretty that, exciting. That's, that's very awesome. So Kevin, before I ask the last couple of questions that I always ask, I want to touch more onto this whole idea of potential because, you know, you're, you're an expert on this. I'm a lifelong, lifelong studier of this. So let's inspire some of these people. You work with, you work with leaders all the time. Let's mm-hmm. inspire people who are listening. Let's let them walk away from this episode and say, that was the best piece of content you've ever had. What is it about achievement? What is it about growing a business? What is it about potential? that you think people need to know that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, We have to answer the the question, why? The why question is the most important thing. The why question is the reason you're 500 episodes in, almost. The why question is the thing that helps your daughter get past the the first rejection to go around. The why question is the thing that leads someone who's thinking that they want to start a business or be an entrepreneur to actually do it. The why question is the most important thing of all. And the answer to the why question isn't usually about the thing itself. So I'll give you a a very quick example. So I I won't tell you the whole story, but I will tell you that uh, I own 13 antique tractors. And most people would immediately say, well, why? (laughs) I was going to go, why? And and, and here, the point that I will make in in this short time is this, is that it isn't really about tractors. It's about something that's underneath that. It started out being about a connection to my kidhood and a connection with my dad and a hobby that we shared. And it has a bunch of other components, but none of it is really about the physical thing of the tractor. And at the end of the day, if it's only about being in business, that's not enough. There's got to be a deeper reason. I said earlier that I'm doing the work I was put on this planet to do. That's what drives you. That's what helps you move towards your potential. That's what gives you the stick to And so knowing what people use words like purpose or vision or all those sorts of things, what's your why? What is it that gets you excited about it? You asked me what I like about my work. I said, all of it. Now, there are certainly things I don't love. Red eye flights that I was on overnight, not necessarily my favorite thing. Yet, when I put that in the context of the why, it makes all the difference. That was good. Hey, 
<laughs> I love to ask people who come on the show who it is they admire. Because I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. And I mean, we could talk about Kevin all day long and all the stuff you've done for 26 years as an entrepreneur. But I always think it's fun to find out who you look at and say, wow, she or he, they're doing the cool stuff. Yeah, it's a long list. I mean, I, I think of that question kind of like if you were put on a desert, desert island and only could take one book, what book would you take? Well, I mean, how do you pick one? So I, I will say, uh, so I'll say a couple of names. First of all, uh, I, I would say Lincoln and Churchill uh, would be two people. So they're not, they're not doing something now, but they did things that had a huge <laughs> impact. They're, on They're them. dead. Yeah. I know they're dead, <laughs> but you, that's true. That's not a brain. That's not a, that's not a shock to anyone. In terms of people that are live today, I, I, I look at the people. Wait, I want to go, wait, before we go on to live today, let's go back and talk about why Churchill and Lincoln. Let's talk more about why you picked them. Oh, okay. Well, because both of them were very clear on their why, right? Uh, they were extre extremely clear and they were willing to do things that didn't necessarily seem to make sense, but it was all in complete alignment with their why. Uh, keeping a union together and keeping Britain from being Nazi. I mean, fundamentally. Uh, so, I mean, they were crystal clear and they didn't let outside forces keep them from it or popular opinion keep them from it. They, they, uh, they, in both cases, brought in people into their inner circle that weren't necessarily their friends or thought like them. So we could we'd go on and on. But back to our original point, I would say the why is such a huge piece of that um, for me. In terms of, in terms of people currently there, uh, I'm sure that you could say the same thing. There are people that you've had on this podcast that you'd say, man, those people have really got something going. And, and on the Remarkable Leadership Podcast, I have a lot of those folks. I can tell you that I met uh, I met, I had the chance to have a conversation with, um, on my podcast with Tom Peters, who's hmm. one of my heroes. Sure. And, uh, and you know, I think the thing that I, th I would say about Tom is that even at, you know, he, he wrote his first book. He basically co-wrote a book that created the business bestseller. There was no such thing as business, a business category really before in search of excellence in 1982, really. Um, and so been working and make, trying to make a difference ever since then. And I just, I love the passion and the enthusiasm and the, and, the, and the continued focus on what he's, what he's trying to do to help, to help make a difference for others. So that's just a person that pops into my head. Oh, that's a, that's a great person. He's an inspiration as to one of the reasons I'm a professional speaker and author today is, you know, I mean, I remember seeing him in the early 90s at a business conference that I was at, and I was sitting there next to my boss thinking, that guy has a better job than I do. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, he's and he's he's good at it, right? There's no question about. There's no question about it. Sure, sure, Ab absolutely. Well, it's interesting you talk about like people who you've had on had on your show, and there's so many you could admire. If you go back on to episode 479, so I don't know something like 12, 15 episodes ago, I interviewed a guy named Colin Gwynn who sort of invented the drone industry. You know, like the flying cameras. He, yeah. uh, you know, arguably he invented that industry and took a, a small Chinese company from $3 million a year to a half billion dollars a year in about a five year period. Uh, he also just won a million, his wife won a million dollars on the latest episode, the latest season of The Amazing Race. And so I, I interviewed him. And the thing that I put him at the top of people I admire, because he's one of the few people, and I have met him several times, he's one of the few people who 
literally thinks three steps ahead of where he is. And that was a really inspiring episode for me because I'm like, I can barely think of the step I'm on, much less three ahead. So, uh, I, you know, same thing. It's like I was like wowed by the people you get a chance to interview. That's another bonus of doing shows like this, right, is you get to meet some people where you go, wow, I met Tom Peters. I'll tell, I'll tell you this. And, and uh, you know, um, if, if you're listening and you're thinking about doing a podcast, um, that's that might be reason enough for your reason why, right? Like uh, I often say that every book that I've written, I learned more from writing it uh, that, you know, people say, what's, what's, what's the most valuable business or what's the most valuable book you ever read? What did you, what book did you learn the most from? And I say mine. And they look <laughs> at me like, well, what? Well, I didn't say it was the best. So it's the one I learned the most from. And so if you find, if you find a reason and a way to get the chance to interact with smart, engaging, positive people, that's going to change your world. And if you can do that in a podcast, you get a good reason for people to say yes to you to have that conversation. Well, it's like I said, success leaves clues. And they, these people can't help but inspire us, whether we're the, the, the interview host or whether we're the person who's listening. They can't help but leave a nugget, a theory, an idea laying behind. Absolutely. So, Kevin, the last question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? And the reason I ask this, I think, is if we're fortunate and entrepreneurs are very fortunate, I think I think we owe it to do more than just make money and shove it in a bank account. I think we have to somehow do something that helps others. So what do you do? Well, there's a number of things that I, that I do. My, my wife and I are very um, involved and engaged in our church. And uh, one of the actually it turns out to be one of the fastest growing churches in America currently. Uh, An entrepreneurial church. Well, in some ways, I suppose, uh, not necessarily why we chose it, uh, but but certainly is I think is true in some ways. Um, we as a team, my team, when, when we're all together, our team is remote spread out across the country. But when we are together, uh, we always do some sort of community service thing. And another thing that we do because we're in the business of helping leaders grow when we do public workshops around the country, we very often uh, bring in uh, or allow folks from not-for-profits or from organizations that couldn't afford to send a leader to this where we can we can, we can can gift them a seat to, to build the skills that will help their organizations continue to grow moving forward. So we like can help plant that seed that can help have a ripple for a long time moving forward. So those are just a couple of the, of the many things that we do. So that's really an awesome idea. I don't do my own public events, but I have a lot of friends who do. And I don't know that I've ever seen anybody do that. I think that's an awesome idea is reach out to a local nonprofit and, and, you know, get one or two of them to be able to send their people. I mean, that can change lives in a way you'd never even thought of before. That's, that's, that's good. Exactly right. I like that. I like, see, I, I learn something new when I do this show every day. There you go. All right. Well, Hey, Kevin, thank you so much for tuning in. If somebody listened to this and they're like, I got to know more about this guy, how do they find you? couple things. If you can spell Kevin Eikenberry, you can find us, right? Kevin Eikenberry, K-E-V-I-N-E-I-K-E-N-B-E-R-R-Y.com. You can find, there you can find everything there. I'll point you to two things. We mentioned the podcast. Go to remarkablepodcast.com. You can see all of our past. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. That's our, that's one of our words. One of our, my books is called Remarkable uh, Leadership. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is we do this newsletter every Monday morning. It's called Unleashing Your Remarkable Potential seems appropriate for this conversation. Mm -hmm. And you can find that if you go to kevineikenbray.com, you can find it or just go to kevineikenbray.com forward slash U-Y-R-P. Unleashing your remarkable potential. I got that. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being a guest on the show and for sharing your brilliance. I much appreciate it. And I know that everybody who listened did, does as well. And for those of you who are listening, I say it every single time. If it wasn't for the audience, 
we wouldn't have a show. So thank you so much for being here along for the ride on the journey of cool things entrepreneurs do. Do me a favor. If you like the show, go leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever actually you get your podcasts downloaded from. And additionally, tell somebody about it. When I ask people, how did you find my show? Number one reason people say a friend or my boss or my mom told me about it. So uh, tell somebody so more people will find it. That makes me very, very happy. Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Kevin Eikenberry. I know you're thinking, how is that possible? But we always seem to be able to pull it off. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there, strive for your potential, try something new. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>